High Noon. This is News Talk. Andre, what do you reckon about that uh, hand washing thing? 20% don't wash at all and 80% don't wash properly. Does that mean nobody washes their hands properly? 80%. Yeah, 80% of, us, of people apparently don't wash their hands properly and one in five don't wash them at all when they go to the toilets. Now, I have to say, I didn't realise that 20 seconds was the golden rule. I just want to be very clear about this. <laughs> I do wash my hands. Um, I'm actually a bit OCD about hand washing, but um, it seems like a lot. I heard actually somebody saying today that sort of their um, their kind of practice or the gauge they use is that, you know, this the happy birthday song you sing apparently you should sing that twice while ah, you're washing your hands okay good there good, you go. good, good to a know golden but, nugget but uh, yeah that's a lot of people not washing their hands probably let us know 53106 do you wash your hands are you one of the 20% that never wash your hands you just don't believe in it for some reason are you one of the 80% that just don't wash it properly do you ever sing happy birthday twice 53106 let me know it's kind of grim thinking about everybody with unclean hands. Um, this is Kira Kelly. This is High Noon and we've loads coming up for you in the next hour, including the great ageism debate. Are we discriminating against people from both ends of the age spectrum? But obviously people are getting in touch with us already. And just back to what we were talking about earlier in the programme on the uh, Arachthus Committee on the Eighth Amendment. Someone has texted in and said, when will the so-called Citizens' Assembly be seen for what it really is? A subversion of democracy and a politician's avoidance of all decisions. Are we to assume that this fake gathering signals the opinions of the, the nation? Um, that's probably quite hard in Citizens' Assembly. I do think that in fairness to them, they worked very hard. They gave their time. It was loads of weekends away from families and away from home life and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think they did pour with great uh, intent and attention over all the details of what was to be discussed. Um, I do agree with you. It probably was cowardice and, and kicking of cans by politicians. Uh Although small wonder, it's a very polarising issue and politicians are afraid of their life. Their main their main thing in life is to get elected, isn't it? It's not really about anything else. Let me know what you think. 53106, Citizens' Assembly, uh, a load of old nonsense or fair play to them because I think they did probably a hard job. That would be my, my position on it. But anyway, and let us know what you think about anything else too because we do love to hear from you. Now, a female US Marine this week became the first woman to complete the Corps' notoriously rigorous training course for infantry officers. Many women serve in the Marines and in also other branches of the American Armed Forces. But the woman, who has requested that her name won't be released, is the first to make it through the Marine Corps' 13-week infantry officer training course, which apparently is incredibly rigorous. And joining me to discuss the role of women in the military in general and what it means to be an infantry officer is security analyst an ex-military man himself Tom Clone and Tom you're very welcome to High Noon Hi Kira, how are you? Tell me this first of all before we broaden it out to the role of women in the military for people like me who don't know enough about soldiering an infantry officer does this mean that this woman would be involved in a war situation in hand-to-hand combat in fighting actually you know blow for blow with other people is that what this means? As an infantry officer, if if you're in hand-to-hand combat, something's gone wrong. Okay. Basically, um, so not to, not to be flippant. No, uh, no, but, so, uh, but, the, but that's so so what basically, I was it's it's the most basic building block of the infantry um, sort of uh, what would you call a toolkit is the platoon. It's the smallest unit that an officer would command, and basically, under the U.S. military's definition, uh, combat is to close with and destroy the enemy. Um, but within uh, uh, an infantry platoon, the weapons that are organic to that platoon would be effective out to about five or six hundred metres. So it would be very, very unusual that you would find yourself in a position where you're involved in, you know, eye to eye, hand to hand combat, because uh, unfortunately, conventional combat now is, is mechanised um, to, to a very large extent. Um, 
it's it's a very interesting development. I mean, you, the women have been involved in the US military in ever increasing numbers since the 1970s. And, and the, the US military uh, have been kind of leaders in this regard. Uh, they were forced into this reluctantly with the enactment of uh, equality legislation in the States in the in the early 70s. Um, but what the US military have discovered is that uh, women actually are <laughs> make for very, very effective soldiers, uh, air crew, pilots, uh, sailors. Uh, a lot of it is down to the way in which women are socialised. Um, so uh, in a received sense, women are multitaskers. So, you know, uh, the US Air Force have discovered that women will fly the plane, deploy the weapons, hit the right target and communicate with one another uh, without crashing the plane or hitting the wrong target. So, in fact, I know for myself the, the research uh, within the US Air Force and the Royal Air Force um, that women are such good pilots that it, it's reckoned that by the end of this century, um, the air war will be entirely female. Uh are you saying, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, are you saying women are better pilots than men? And I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I am i don't really like flying, uh, but when I hop on Aer Lingus or, uh, well, I, I don't know if you can hop on Ryanair anymore. But <laughs> don't when mention I, the war. I, maybe, they need a woman, uh, maybe they need a good woman at the helm to sort that out. But, um, you know, if I hop on Aer Lingus and I look into the cockpit and if I see a woman in the cockpit, I'm very reassured because I know we're going to get to the, our destination. Really, that's extremely interesting. So yeah. what you're saying is, is that women are good... Uh, in terms of they're obviously good at pilots, they're good at strategy, they're good at multitasking. So they they are skilled. And is the fact that, you know, I showed my own ignorance there talking about hand-to-hand combat, is the fact that hand-to-hand combat is largely gone or all but gone, does that mean that women can play a greater role in the military? Because obviously, you know, if you and I started punching the head off each other here, you'd probably win. I, I, I'm smaller and weaker. And that's true of most women. Yeah, but... But, but if that's you, not really an issue anymore. Yeah, is that but, what you're but, saying? But I mean, like in, in combat, you, you'd be armed. And uh, if you were 100 metres away, Kira, with a weapon, I would make myself scarce <laughs> pretty quickly. No, look, uh, the, like the, there's, a hu- there's a huge amount of mythology uh, about combat. And, and the military have always internationally been very careful to preserve the notion that it's a kind of a hyper-masculine space and that it validates men's masculinity. And that's how you fool hapless young men like myself <laughs> into, <laughs> into what is essentially a, a death profession. And it's it's... As a workplace, I mean, it is. It's. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was. It was great. But uh, when you actually drill down into it and look at the characteristics that are required for military service, which are compliance, conformity, passivity, uh, pro-social aggression, which is rule enforcement, uh, conservatism, they're all characteristics which are now. Let me be very clear about this, that in the received sense are characterised as feminine characteristics. So in actual fact, women, because of the way in which they're socialised, really uh, do well in the military. They gravitate towards leadership roles. Look, the United States military is not a liberal feminist experiment. No. But they're taking women in 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 their thousands because they know that women are really good uh, at command and control. They gravitate towards leadership roles. They absolutely excel in the air, at sea, on land. The the research carried out by the Israelis, the British, the uh, US military showed that what they call gender integrated units outperform all male units every time. No question. And again, if you look back at the history of conflict, uh, you know, you look at the partisans in, in the former Yugoslavia, they defeated the, the, the Wehrmacht, uh, the Waffen-SS. Look at you the know. Kurds. Look at the uh, female yeah, Kurdish so fighters. In other words, if, it's like anything in life. If you want to win the war, if you want to get that contract, if you want to uh, have a good hospital... 
then you have to be diverse. You've got to have men and women. And women are the majority in the population. It's They're 51% of the population. This this woman's achievement of, you know, uh, passing through the this platoon commander's battle course or the, the infantry commander's course, uh, you know, she's, she's the first. There'll, there'll be many more to follow. And, and the frightening thing, I was Winston Churchill, he, once he was on a tour of uh, African countries and he was given a demonstration of martial arts by... Uh, one of the despots down there and they were all women and he said afterwards you know women are uh, kept out of the army not to spare them from the horrors of conflict but to spare men from the horror of armed women (laughs) <laughs> which is a kind of a, a, a kind of a, a, a backwards compliment. It's 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 very well, well. In fairness, back in the day, the Celts and all apparently half the fighters were women. Women women were warriors and all that kind of stuff. But what you've just said there is really interesting. You've said that the army is perceived to be macho and manly and all that, but actually the characteristics that you need to be a good soldier or passivity and all these things and that's what a good soldier yeah, and, actually has. And, and to You've be also good, said that that's perceived as a female characteristic but yet it's, it's yeah. men who well, seem I mean, to have been my, my working own, well within it. I, my own personal belief that all of these they're just human characteristics yes. so I wouldn't assign them as being inherently feminine or masculine and I think um, the greater your communications repertoire the greater your skill set over what are described as feminine or masculine the more uh, complex you are the more successful you are the more diverse an organisation the more successful it will be Uh, one of the interesting things uh, about women in the the military um, is the the manner in which like for example in the Gulf War 43,000 women fought in Gulf War 1 this is Operation Desert Storm um, and Desert Shield and the, the military the US military had this thing called the Direct Combat Probability Code the DCPC and based on that algorithm women were denied access to certain uh, combat appointments but in Desert Storm and since then with asymmetric warfare uh, everybody is in the proximity of, of the threat as we call it so they've just women have by a process of osmosis but for purely utilitarian reasons, the, the US military have promoted women and are taking them in in those numbers. In relation to flight, one of the interesting things is that um, women, because of average differences between men and women in distribution of body fat and muscle, women are far better able to withstand G-forces <clears throat> than men. So the latest generations of uh, fast jet aircraft and fighter jets that actually require p- computer programs to fly them, uh, w- women just you know, they, they're able to do it. They're able to fly them, uh, fire the weapon systems. Whereas men, you know, the big, strong, big jocks, they can't do it. What was very interesting, and, and you may or may not have, have ever seen it, there was a, a report and it was suppressed back in the 50s and 60s when they were first, NASA was first training astronauts uh, for the space program that women, exactly as you said, different uh, body fat, different body water components, different body weight, different size and also this stuff, as you pointed out, to do with strategy and multitasking and all that kind of stuff. Women outperformed men as astronauts across the board. So based on the success of the trials of astronauts, all of the space programs initially should have been all female. But because being an astronaut and going where no man had gone before and, you know, you know, giant step for mankind, they felt they couldn't send women. So they sent all male teams, despite mm. the fact that the women had outperformed them, which just, you know, we talk about sexism in society and all that kind of stuff, but it just goes to show you <laughs> just how far people are willing to take oh, gender yeah, but, bias. But, but the, you know, the... the the, the discourse is very, very strong. Like the, the reality of women's involvement in combat is, has been suppressed. And, you know, uh, y- you and I spoke last year in Stevens Green at the commemoration ceremonies. Yeah. And, you know, my grandmother uh, fought in the War of Independence. She was a school teacher by day, an arsonist by night. Um, 
and and we know, for example, that let, let's say Vietnam, which is where the U.S. Marine Corps, we were talking about them, you know, that was their you know, 66,000 U.S. troops were killed in Vietnam by the North Vietnamese Army and the Viet Cong. One third of the North Vietnamese Army was female. Amazing. One third. So, you know, you're looking at a U.S. military, practically all male at that point, was defeated by a gender integrated uh, organisation. And look, I'm, I'm, I'm a liberal feminist. In other words, I see the military as a legitimate and valid social institution. I know there are radical feminists listening to this who say women should have no part in this patriarchal construct of the use of force and the projection of force and so on. But as a pragmatist and, and as a realist like the U.S. military, you can see um, that they are valued. And one of the interesting things, Kira, is that the U.S. military engineers the workplace so that they can harness or exploit women. So, for example, I spoke to U.S. Air Force pilots whose children were put in creches in Germany. The childcare was provided so that they could fly combat in Iraq. And uh, one of those ladies, I met her down in in, uh, in Shannon Airport. Um, she told me that her aircraft was hit by a shoulder launch missile in the, the last final assault on, on Baghdad. The missile didn't detonate, but it damaged the aircraft to such extent that she was finding it really hard to control it. She was 27 years old. She had just done her hair and her makeup for this interview. And she explained to me that she had to figure out how to fly the aircraft again from scratch. And she was at low altitude. She managed to gain altitude. And she said, I had an epiphany. And I thought, oh, she's going to tell me she was thinking about of her kids in the crash yeah. in Germany. And what am I doing here? And she said, I realised I had enough fuel to go back and kill that mother hugger. <laughs> now, she used a different phrase. And she said, and that's what I did. So, look, women, um, as, as you and I both know, when uh, they're given the opportunity, when, when difference yes. is, is recognised, but not seen as a deficit. And when we engineer and support, then we harness the, the qualities and the potential of all of our citizens. Br- briefly, briefly, Tom, I've, like, lots of people are getting in touch with stuff and I can't, won't get to all of these texts. But, but Paul says, do you, and I don't think maybe he knows what, what your background is, but he says, do you actually believe this guy? The military have had to reduce the physical requirements for women time and time again. This guy is living in cloud cuckoo land. If ladies want to go out and get shot up, let them. Men have been doing it for thousands of years. Is that true that women have to set a lower bar for women in the Which military? See, the guys like him will accept that children can be soldiers. And a guy like him will accept that a 14-year-old boy with, a, with an automatic weapon is a threat. But for some reason, he, uh, cognitive dissonance, uh, you know, he, he can't see that a, a 23-year-old woman <laughs> with a PhD with a weapon is, is a far more dangerous uh, prospect. Look, there are thousands of men in cemeteries all around the world who are killed by, by women oh, in combat. Ask yeah. them, dig them up and ask them. La- last question for you, Tom, and this one's from Sean. Speaking from experience, being in the Infantry Corps specifically involves moving on foot, being in stressful conditions, carrying very heavy equipment, Women in all corps play an equitable role, but they are generally not suited to the physical demands Absolute of the infantry corps. Absolute nonsense. If you look at women around the world, women do all the heavy lifting. They're the women who, you know, the women are the ones who carry the water to the well and who do all the, ma- the heavy manual labour in societies all around the world. It's a complete nonsense, complete myth. And modern uh, infantry webbing is designed to carry the weight, bear the load across the hips. And that's where women do it. And that's what women are best at. If you look at the aerobic endurance of women, their ability to carry loads, their ability to withstand pain, they, they're far superior in every respect to men. What you're hearing there is just mythology bullshit. You know, have a look at the record and see the reality of women's performance in combat. The German SAS, their first standing operating procedure is shoot the women first. Women always gravitate towards leadership roles. If you you encounter women in a combat situation, their standard operating procedure number one is shoot the women first. They're the greatest threat.
There you are. You heard it. You didn't hear it from me. You heard it from Tom Clonan, security analyst on that first woman infantry officer in the US Marines, but also on women in general in the military. Maybe it's not what you think. And women on air. And, and women on air. I oh, like, more I, of it, please. More <laughs> of it. Absolutely. Listen, coming up after this, two Galway sisters breaking all the stigmas around disability. Stay tuned.